You're listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. The goal of this podcast is to help business owners be successful and gain the advantage. Nancy has helped some of today's top Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of industries work through their toughest challenges. She can help you too. So if you can't find the solutions you need, there are no more books to read or workshops to attend. The Nancy Gaines Show can be the difference between your success and failure. And now your host, Nancy Gaines. Hi, this is Nancy Gaines, and welcome to The Nancy Gaines Show, where we provide actionable ideas for entrepreneurs to grow their business and be even more productive. The focus of today's podcast is all about insights on medical insurance for entrepreneurs. And I'm super excited to have a very special guest with me, Danielle Roberts. Let me tell you all about her. She's the co-founder of Boomer Benefits. That's an award-winning and top-producing insurance agency that specializes in Medicare insurance for baby boomers. She enjoys sharing how she and her business partner bootstrap first-year income of only 13000 to now a multi-million dollar revenue with 50 employees. She serves clients in 47 states. She's also a leading producer for Cigna, Mutual, Omaha, Aetna, and many more insurance agencies. She's a former magazine editor who's been featured in Forbes, HuffPost, and so much more. She definitely knows insurance and business. Welcome, Danielle. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else would you like to add to that introduction? <laughs> You're very kind. Thank you. It was a lovely introduction, and I'm happy to be here with you. I'm just an entrepreneur who started a business like any other entrepreneur out there and put in good old blood, sweat, and tears and 15 years later, almost, here we are. So you're an overnight 15-year success, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're super excited to learn from you. And I know that you specialize in Medicare insurance for boomers, and there's so much information on your website. Would you mind if we tap into your years of insurance experience in a little bit different way? Are you up for that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. So um, these are my personal questions. I'd love to know from your experience. Right now, the Medicare age is 65. Do you think they'll actually change that to a higher age, kind of like they did with Social Security? Because that is really scary. I love this question. And a couple years ago, there was some push to move it to age 67. But I actually think it's now heading the other direction. So we've all heard the Medicare for All is going to be a very hot topic in the upcoming uh, elections, of course, and kind of was in the last go-round as well. But something that a lot of people haven't heard about is a bill that has actually been put forth for Medicare at 50. And the idea on this would be to insure a group of people that often are uninsured. So we have the Affordable Care Act and people can purchase individual policies there. But when you're age 50 to 64, before you become eligible for Medicare, those individual health insurances and policies are pretty expensive. And so we're looking for a way to ensure some of the people that just decide not to do insurance during that age bracket. If they get laid off from a job, they've got a few years to go till they turn 65, they're not gonna spend $1,200, $1,400 a month on insurance sometimes. So the Medicare at 50 bill has been proposed that we would allow people to buy into Medicare earlier than age 65. And this would be insurance that would be considerably less expensive than 
what you would spend on a traditional Affordable Care Act plan. And one of the tenets of that bill is also that if you qualified for a subsidy, meaning you had income below a certain level that would qualify you for a subsidy on the Obamacare plans, you'd be able to apply that same subsidy if you elected Medicare at age 50. Now, I don't know how much traction the bill will get, but I do think it's one of several that's out there circulating. And as we know, a lot of times once people get into office, sometimes we find middle ground. And that policy seems like, uh, that particular bill seems like a really good middle ground policy. So it'll be interesting to see in a few years what is the agent for Medicare and whether that's still the same or if we've improved that. Wow, I didn't even know that. And that is so critical because a lot of people are losing their jobs in their 50s or deciding they're tired of working and they want to go be an entrepreneur, and that doesn't leave a lot of options. So very cool. I also yeah. heard that there's associations. Like right now, you can't get insurance through an association because then people would just find healthy people and make their own association. Like there's no diversity. Yeah. I don't know what you call that um, diversity of risk. <laughs> Do you think that's going to come too, where people can the associations start offering insurance? You know, I wonder, I think if they end up offering the Medicare at 50 bill and that something like that becomes law, probably not. But I do know that there is certainly a lot of focus around the fact that the insurance gets very expensive for people in that pre-Medicare decade. And uh, we see a lot of this from inside my industry with the National Association of Health Underwriters and the insurance commissioners, and we see the reports coming out. And the fact that this is a growing group of uninsured Americans is a lot, is very much of a concern. And so, you know, if you always plan to work till 65 and then suddenly you're laid off and you find yourself without insurance, it can be very scary time for you and there needs to be affordable solutions for people. So certainly that could be one option they could propose, but I think they're leaning more toward expanding Medicare. And so I would think that if they did expand Medicare to a younger age, we probably wouldn't see the association thing happen. Boy, I'm getting excited because I'm over 50. So that would be really, really cool. <laughs> I'm right behind you. So I'll be there myself soon. And my insurance is very expensive. So I'd love to be able to buy into Medicare. Yeah, me too. The other thing I heard, and it was funny that we're talking this week because I heard this on Monday, somebody on the radio or some business show was saying, in 10 years, employers won't even offer benefits, medical mm -hmm. insurance benefits to their employees. Yeah. Do you think that's true? And who's going to be the replacement for that? Yeah, the only way I think that that would actually happen would be if we actually did do single payer or a Medicare for all type thing, because someone has to provide insurance for people. You know, I've got employees here in all decades from people in their 20s to people that are on Medicare themselves. And I know that even though they make a fair wage here, when you're trying to buy insurance for yourself and your children, um, or a family and you have dependents like that, it's extremely expensive. And the portion that the employer fronts, or at least if they pay your coverage and some employers will pay a portion of dependent coverage can be super important to those younger workers. So what he might have been referring to would be, of course, the fact that if we did do a Medicare for all or a single payer type system, that we would actually see the government take over the healthcare in general, and the employers then wouldn't be the ones putting together the packages anymore. I would be willing to bet that they would be paying for a big portion of it. There'd have to be some sort of tax um, that would go toward, you know, affording national coverage. But that's probably why uh, people might speculate that, and it remains to be seen. That totally makes sense. So I have a tax business I do a couple months of the year, and 
Did you know the you know this because you're a business owner, the average insurance for a family of four is twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. You, you that's crazy. That, yeah, that's just absolutely crazy. Like people cannot afford this. And you know, when they when they made the change to the Affordable Care Act, um, at the time that it happened, I wasn't a big fan because we had a lot of people that were insured and there there was the problem of people who couldn't qualify to get individual coverage on the market. But at least here in Texas, I know we had a risk pool for those people and they could get insurance there. It was a little more expensive than what you could get on the private market, but it wasn't astronomically expensive. And so at least here in Texas, I felt like we had everything kind of working. And then something we saw very quickly after the Affordable Care Act went in and people started transitioning is the average family of four was in my book of business at that time would be paying maybe $800 a month for their insurance for their family. And then, yeah, overnight, you're talking about $2,000 a month plus. And for somebody that is self-employed, those first few years as being an entrepreneur are a really hard go. And they're the last people in the world that can afford that. So, you know, $20,000 for insurance certainly is out of the ballpark and something does need to be done. So I'm glad that right now it's a national conversation and we don't know all the answers yet. We don't know the, the end all be all and whether we'll end up with a plan like, you know, Canada or the UK or whether ours will be an expansion of Medicare. But even if they took the existing Medicare that we have today, which isn't free and which people do pay premiums for and they do have cost sharing like deductibles and co-pays and co-insurance just like you and I have now, this would still be a far better uh, system, in my opinion, than just something that's completely taxpayer funded. And I would like to see it go that route so that people have choices. And Medicare itself does offer a lot of choices. You can enroll in different parts of Medicare. You can stay enrolled with the federal government. You could have your Medicare benefits come through a private insurance company in a Medicare Advantage plan. And we don't really see anyone come into Medicare and say, well, there's no option for me. There's lots of different options. And so if we could find a way to take that on a national scale, I would think that that would be a better solution than trying to, you know, reinvent the wheel right from the ground up, considering that we have a program that is a national health insurance program for 60 million people. Expanding on that makes a lot of sense to me. I vote for you to be on the board of that. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, I wish I could I go to these congressmen and have some conversations <laughs> with them. Yeah, bringing your business sense, that would be awesome. Yeah. I remember when I first had just a $300 a year deductible slash co-pays, and now just to find 3000 a year is really, really expensive. That's how much it's, you know, 10x in a yeah. few short years is crazy. Yeah, my deductible so. myself for my plan is 6500 and it's an HSA plan, and I have the benefit of being able to contribute into that, you know, and get some write-off. But last year, I had a surgery, so I spent $6,500, and wow, that is not fun. I know. I've got a friend I just found out. He's got cancer, and he's got to postpone his treatments because he doesn't have the money to pay for that. I mean, what is your salute? What do you suggest people do when they make too much money, in, you know, in the government's opinion, to yeah. qualify for free insurance, but they don't make enough to pay these, these premiums? They're really stuck in a, a spot. Do you have any suggestions for that? Yeah. So one of the things that we've seen people do, and you can kind of love it or hate it, but there are the MediShare programs out there. Those are where you are kind of pooling your money with a group of other people. They're Christian-based type programs and those can be something where the premiums might be lower than what you could get on the Affordable Care Act plans. 
Um, we've seen a lot of people do them. I don't sell them myself. It makes me a little nervous to think that I would be relying on the goodwill of other people if I have a serious <laughs> health condition like cancer happen. However, I have seen people who've shared with me that they were on a plan like that for years and it worked fine for them. So I know that that's one option. Usually what we see people, you know, uh, do if they're uninsured and then they actually end up with a serious illness like that is they're waiting until that next annual election period then to sign up for the Affordable Care Act plan and this delays their treatment or they're getting treatment in a county hospital which may not be the doctor that they're used to and so it is something that can find people in a world of hurt. There are individual cancer policies out there that you can also purchase. I've seen these work very well for people in the past. You can do a lump sum payment or you can do something that kind of pays you benefits as you go and that can be something that you could pair with with a high deductible plan. So if you get the highest deductible plan on an ACA plan so that you have the lowest possible premium and then you pair that with a cancer policy or you, there's also policies for like heart attack and stroke, things like that. So if you have a family history of something, you might be interested in one or other of those policies. You can pair that with that high deductible plan. And now if something happens, you aren't facing paying out of pocket the $6,500. You've got a relatively inexpensive little cancer policy that's going to kick in enough money to to meet that deductible for you. So we see a lot of people doing that where they're kind of piecing things together um, to keep the premiums as low as possible. Wow, I can definitely see why you were able to grow your company from 13,000 to millions. You are a rock star. Can uh, you share you. <laughs> maybe one to two tips on how you did that, moving from bootstrapping to millions? Sure. So, you know, in the beginning, it was just a lot of really hard work. I know we, we all as entrepreneurs look for the secret sauce, and I certainly spent my time doing that. But the good old elbow grease in the end was what got us the first few pieces of business. You know, we cold called businesses and we got group health clients. And then over the course of a few years, we started having people asking about their parents and Medicare. And that's how we ended up getting into that field. One of the things that I did early on that was really helpful in taking my business from, you know, zero to 20 miles an hour, let's say, um, was to find a local association and join it. So there's a couple of different insurance associations and most businesses have associations as well. And I went to that first meeting. I marched right up to the president at the end of the meeting and I said, I'm a brand new member. Do you have any positions open on the board that you're desperate to fill? And they did. They had a position open for membership retention, I remember, which was funny because <laughs> I was a brand new member. And I volunteered for that. I plugged right into all the movers and shakers in, that, in this industry here in Fort Worth. And those people are some of my very best friends today. I spent six years on the board. I eventually was uh, chapter president for a 200-person group, you know, group of agents. And along the way, because I was specializing in Medicare and most of those agents are group and individual, uh, we gained hundreds and hundreds of referrals. So I always tell people, you know, go and join an association, but do one more step than that. Go ahead and ask, for, what can you do to help out? Volunteer for something and see what you come up with, because that's how you're really going to get to know the other people in the industry that you can learn so much from. And that the learning that I gained from knowing those agents, from being able to call someone with more experience than me when I had a question that I'd run into as an early agent, you know, I, I just couldn't put a price tag on how valuable that that was for my business. We still get referrals from that time that I spent there. And, you know, we're, we're many years later now. I was the chapter president in 2012. So I really think that's an, a very good way for you to plug in and get 
some of the knowledge that you need that's going to teach you how to scale your business because through that, I ended up meeting a mentor who'd been in a business longer than I did. I met people who did call centers and eventually that's what I developed here. And so you never know who you just might meet doing that that can take you that one step further toward your ultimate goal of having a successful and profitable business. What a great answer. So to boil it down, get plugged in and get involved in a niche. You didn't really talk much about that, but having yeah. a niche, it makes a huge difference. You're the yeah, go-to sure. person for Medicare, right? It, yeah, it sure does. And it's easier for you too and for your sanity if you find a piece and you try not to be the jack of all trades. Uh, I can remember in the early days if someone said, do you write long-term care? Yes. Do you write disability? Yes. I would write anything and then I would go crazy trying to learn the product to sell one policy. And eventually I figured out this is not the best way. So niching down and finding the place that you're really comfortable in and then doubling down on that and scaling your business is, I think, the way to go. 95% of what we write here today is all Medicare business and it is very niche, but it's also something that I was able to get my arms around and learn and figure out how to educate people on. So try not to be a jack of all trades in your industry. Pick something in one direction and go that direction and try not to have the shiny object syndrome like I had in the early days where you try to pick up every little thing along the way. I really feel like that really just slows you down. Uh, so concentrate and focus on the area that you've decided to go and you're going to have more results from that than any other direction, I think. Great advice. And is there anything you would have done differently if you had a mulligan, a do-over? Yes. So one of the big mistakes that I made right out of the gate was a lack of confidence. I had never run a business before. I was a very entrepreneurial kid, and so it was my brother, and I had that going for me, but I had come out of college and worked 10 years for someone else. And so when I was getting myself educated and I was meeting other brand new agents in some of these trainings, I found two people that I like and I quickly partnered with them and I really didn't know them very well at all. And that came from a lack of confidence um, in myself to be able to make this business go. And I soon found out that not everyone in the world has the same work ethic as Danielle. And not everyone else has the same ideas on reinvesting profits into the business. So what ended up happening is over the course of about a year and a half, I first bought out one partner and then the other, and it set me back a good 18 months. And then I ran the business a little while for my, by myself and eventually asked my brother to come and join me in the business, knowing that he has exactly the same work ethic as me, that we grew up in the same household, that we're both willing to put in 60 hours a week. And like, like me, he had some money and savings that he could live off of while we were really working to get this business off the ground. So don't let a lack of confidence in your own ability cause you to partner someone unless you really know that person very, very well because there are some basic character values that you might have that just differ from how they grew up. It doesn't mean that they're bad people. They just weren't going to run this business the way that I wanted to run it. And so you want to always ask those questions carefully. Give yourself some time to get to know someone before you leap into a partnership just because you don't really believe in yourself just yet. Well, thank you for being honest with that. I appreciate that. <laughs> I think we've all been there too. It, it's scary yeah. moving from employee to entrepreneur. That I had the biggest challenge with that myself. I thought it would be a slam dunk and it's just a whole different set of skills than you use yeah. when someone tells you what to do. So are you ready for our signature question, Danielle? Oh my goodness, let's hear it. All right. Um, I am passionate about time and giving people time back to do what they love to do. So if you had one more hour in your day, 25 hours every day, how would you spend your extra hour? I would save all of the senior dogs. I would round them up from every shelter that I could find and find them homes. I'm very uh, 
animal lover to the nth degree and I would very much like to work with all the older ones that maybe didn't have such a good start in life and give them a good home for those last few years. Oh, that's very generous. <laughs> Do you have dogs yourself? I think oh, you've yes. got two, right? Yeah, I've got two dogs and they're my children. I don't have any human children. And so my husband could tell you that it's just ridiculous. They, of course, walk all over me. And but they're the cutest, funniest, most amazing beings that are happy to see you every day and never have a bad day. And I think that their attitudes um, and just the the sense of personality that they show and how they never get down about anything uh, is something we all could learn from. That's true. Dogs are always happy for sure. Yeah. For people who'd like to work more closely with you, maybe they're getting close to Medicare age or they just have insurance questions in general, how can they connect with you? It's very easy to find us online almost anywhere at Boomer Benefits. So the website is boomerbenefits.com. We have a Boomer Benefits Facebook page. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. We have Pinterest, all of the instant Instagram, social media, you can find us on any of those. And then if you are interested more in entrepreneurship things, I do a little bit of blogging about that on a personal brand site, which is daniellekroberts.com. Awesome. And is there anything else you'd like to add that I didn't even think to ask you? I know we, we've had these kind of questions before, but they were mm -hmm. things that were in my mind I wanted to learn about. You know, I always tell entrepreneurs when I meet them because I get a lot of uh, agents that contact me from all over the nation on LinkedIn and they're just starting in the business and, you know, they're trying to learn and they see our site and they're like, wow. And I, I, something I noticed about this is that people look at that and they compare themselves and they immediately get discouraged and they think I'll never go anywhere. So I always tell newer entrepreneurs just to run your own race. Can't compare someone else's end to your beginning or middle. And there's absolutely room for you. You can carve out a little space for you. And no matter what industry that you're in, if you just keep focused and don't get discouraged by the fact that there's other people out there in the same space that got started earlier than you, that can be very, that whole comparison factor can get you when you're an early and new entrepreneur. So keep your blinders on and uh, focus on running your own race. Awesome. I love that. And I've heard that um, similar stay in your own lane, just yes. do what you can do and stick with it. So very, very cool. Danielle, this has been a great episode. Thanks for taking time to be on the show and lots of great tips. And I'm sure people will know a lot more about insurance. And I'm hoping that over 50 <laughs> things get passed. Yes, we'll have to. You know what, if that happens, we'll have to come back here in a year or two and, and see how it all turned out. So thank you so Absolutely. much for having me, Nancy. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was awesome. Listeners, I just rolled out a new program for business owners looking to systemize their companies in 30 days or less. If you're feeling overwhelmed, scattered, overworked in your business, this program could be for you. We work side-by-side -side to actually get things created so you leave with work completed, not more things on your to-do list. Go to nancygaines.com or shoot me an email, nancy at nancygaines.com, so we can have a conversation. And if you love this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. And until next time, go out and gain the advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. That's Nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S, dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.